0: Good morning, everyone. Let's try that again. Good morning, everyone. Hey, that's a little better. For a minute there, I thought I was by myself, but uh, I feel better now. Please take your Bibles and turn to John 13. John 13 as we continue our survey through the Gospel of John. This is a very uh, pivotal chapter in our text. We'll be looking at the first 20 verses. In John 13, starting in verse 1, John continues his description of the life of Christ. In verse 1 of 13, John says this, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean, and you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him, that was why he said, not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, And whoever receives me, receives the one who sent me. May the Lord add his blessing at the hearing and the reading of his word this morning. Over the years, I've done a lot of weddings. And uh, sometime during the wedding ceremony, oftentimes a couple will exercise or utilize something symbolic to symbolize their Union together as a couple. Some couples will light candles. I've seen uh, the pouring of sand. One time, saw a pouring of marbles. That was different. Uh, sometimes uh, we've seen uh, the tying of a of three cords into one strand. Sometimes even communion. I've seen that take place. Uh, my middle daughter at her wedding several years ago. Uh, did something very special which was different than all of these that I just shared with you they they washed each other's feet and I got to be honest with you it was a little too intimate <laughs> you know like uh, could you go somewhere else and wash each other's feet you know it just seemed like this is not what we should be watching right now but as we'll see today in our study to become a Christ-like servant We need to love the way Jesus loved. We need to allow God to change our lives and we need to become more like him. We need to believe in Jesus. What we're looking at as we read the Gospel of John is we're looking at a very specific eyewitness account from John who's one of the 12 disciples. He was actually there when these things happened. This isn't something that was written down 300 years after the fact. John was there, and then he later wrote about it. Again, to give the background behind this particular passage, I'd like to invite you to turn to Luke 22, just the book prior to John. It won't be on the screen. But in Luke 22, verse 14, this is precisely the the same time frame where this event is going to take place where Jesus washes their feet. But it had to do with this last supper, this last meal together before Jesus goes to the cross. In Luke twenty-two fourteen, 14, it says, And when the hour came, he reclined at table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it's fulfilled in the kingdom of God." But behold, the hand of him who betrays me is with me on the table. For the Son of Man goes as it has been determined, but woe to the, that man by whom he is betrayed. And of course, they began to question one another, which of them it could be who is going to do this. So this is precisely the context by which this happens. Now, Luke wasn't there. So Luke, we believe, is writing down what he learned From Peter, who was there. And this is the difference that now, as we come to John's gospel, we see that John was actually there, and it's the Last Supper. And of course, we're going to celebrate that at the end of our service today. I have four truths that I want to show you from this passage that will help us understand what it means to become a servant, a Christ like servant. But before we study, Let's ask God's help. Would you please pray with me? Our gracious Heavenly Father, as we approach your word. We recognize that we are indeed a needy people. And Lord, we long to hear from you, not from this speaker, but from you and you alone today, through your word. So Lord, we ask that you would be our guide, that you'd be our teacher, and that you'd open your word to us. And Lord, that you'd open our hearts and our minds to receive your truth. Speak to us today, we ask. We pray this in your son's wonderful and awesome name, amen. If you have your sermon notes outlined that you received as you came in, here's the first truth of four. To become a Christ-like servant, first of all, you need to love as Jesus loved. One of the things we see right away in our text is that we're running out of time. Jesus knew he was running out of time. It says in verse one, now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, Jesus loved all the way to the end. Jesus loved his disciples even though he knew the end was near. And the reality is that the end is near for all of us. Time is running out. We don't have much time left to love. What are you doing with the time that you yet have? And to what degree are you loving people? James 4.14 says, Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. We're running out of time. The psalmist adds, O Lord, make me know my end, and what is the measure of my days? Let me know how fleeting I am. Behold, you've made my days a few handbreadths, my lifetime is as nothing before you. Surely all mankind stands as a mere breath. It's over. Again, with what I've gone through over the last four months, uh, that's become very, very apparent to me. I'm running out of time. We're all running out of time to love. We need to love as Jesus loved. Secondly here, loving others with an everlasting love. That's what it says in the text. As he recognizes that he's running out of time, having loved his own, verse one, who were in the world, he loved them to the end. He never let up. He never took his foot off the gas pedal on loving. Jeremiah 31.3, the Lord appeared to him from far away. I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have continued my faithfulness to you. This is our God who now loves us through the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, with an everlasting love. Psalmist adds in one hundred three seventeen. but the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. In the Hebrew, it's olam ad olam. He loves from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. He is loving others with an everlasting love. We need to do the same we too need to love with an everlasting love. We need to love the way Jesus loved. Thirdly, even loving our enemies. Oh, really? You know, thanks for sharing these sentiments so far, and now you're meddling, pastor. Even loving your enemies. during supper when the devil had already put it into his. Into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon son to betray him. Jesus even loves that guy. In verse 11, we are told that Jesus knew that it was Judas who was going to betray him. It's amazing to me that Jesus even washes Judas' feet. Did you notice that? You know, I, you know, I don't know. I wasn't there, but maybe he like scrubbed him a little harder. You know, you know, you know, you know I don't know but he washes his feet too. Jesus says, but I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you, to one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also, and from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. The main concept of what's being presented through Jesus' teaching here is, there should be no room for Anything that smacks of retaliation. If somebody smacks you on the cheek, give them the other one. Don't smack back. Again, maybe he scrubbed his feet a little extra harder. But I'm certain that Jesus washed even Judas's feet with the same care and tenderness as he did all the others. Years ago, um, I got to ride with a a trooper friend of mine, he's a Michigan State trooper, his name's Doug. And uh, we were moving a prisoner from the Coldwater area up to Lansing, and as a pastor, I got to ride along with him, which was kind of fun. And after we dropped off the prisoner, we were driving back, and he started to tell me a story about something he was going through. And uh, the situation was that he had inadvertently left his trooper hat out, uh, at the post, and some other trooper guy, some other officer grabbed his hat, took a stapler and put a gazillion staples in it. Ha, 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 isn't that funny? And now the, the hat's ruined. And now he's going to have to go to his overseer and submit you know, a request for a new hat, which those things aren't cheap. He's got to pay for it, and you know, a new requisition for a new hat, and, um, and so he's telling me this is what had happened to him. And he goes on and uh, he said, well, I found out who did it. I found out the guy who did this. And just last week, I found his hat laying out, so I, I took it. And I asked him, so where is that hat now? He goes, well, it's in the trunk. I said, well, what are you going to do? He goes, well, let me tell you what I want to do. <laughs> What I want to do is—he's uh, a hunter, so he had tree climbers. Uh, I want to climb up the telephone pole in the back of the post, there, and I want to nail the sad to the top of that. That's what I want to do. I said, uh, "Well, uh, I've got an idea." He goes, "Oh yeah?" You know. So he's he's driving, and I'm talking to him. I said, um, "I triple dog dare I went right to the triple. You know, not a one dog, two dog, three. Go, let's go to the triple. I triple dog dare you to take this guy's hat that you found and you have in the trunk. I triple dog dare you to take that hat, take it to a dry cleaner, get it dry clean, put it in a really nice box with some nice paper, uh, put a card on it, say, hey, found your hat laying out. I knew you'd want somebody to take care of it. And, um, and so I made sure you got your hat back in good order. I triple dog dare you to do that. You know, Doug's still driving. He looks over me like like I'm crazy, like you're out of your mind. No, I dare you, man. And says so he goes, "Okay, I'll do it." So he did just that. You can imagine. I mean, when the day this happened, when he presents this guy's hat to him, the whole post is up in arms, like, "Did you hear what Scudder did? You did? do you hear what he did? It's unbelievable." A few weeks later, he was up for a promotion and was. Uh, being grilled by his overseers and saying, you know, have you ever experienced some difficulty with your, your, uh, your other troopers here? And how'd you work through it? And he told that story, and I just told you. And of course, he got the promotion. Um, so this is the deal. How, how can we love even our enemies by doing something awesome and wonderful instead of being retaliatory? We need to... Love the way Jesus loved, even loving our enemies. And lastly here on this truth, demonstrating our love humbly and sacrificially. Notice how humble Jesus is, how sacrificial he is in verse three. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. And he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Now, first of all, you need to understand how messed up the feet are in this culture. Why? What's the big deal? You would never allow anybody in your house basically with their sandals on. Why? Because... They have really no sewer system. The sewer system is the streets. I've been in a couple third world countries where that's the case. And uh, like in India, you you are not allowed to walk into anybody's house whatsoever with your shoes on. Take those, keep those up. Why? Because you've been walking in the sewer all day. So now to wash flesh and blood... This is incredibly humiliating, incredible, humble act of service as Jesus loves these men in such an incredibly intense way. It's awesome, even the adversary. He didn't just talk about love. Hey, you guys, I want you to be loving. He did something about it. He did something about his love, and I ask you, what are you doing about how you're demonstrating your love? How are you going to demonstrate it? How are you going to demonstrate your love to your wife, to your husband, your children, your coworkers, your peer group, even your adversary? I was dealing with a couple of years ago where a divorce was impending, it was over. And, you know, they both were professing Christ and they're saying it's over. And it's like, well, this is a disaster. He seemed to be more interested in listening to good counsel than she was for whatever reason. And he calls me up out of concern because the day had now arrived where she's going to show up at their house and remove all of her belongings from the house. And she wanted the police to be there and, you know, some other other big guys to be there or whatever to make sure she gets what she wants. And my friend calls me up and says, uh, hey, what happens if she starts taking my stuff? That You know, what am I gonna do if she just starts taking my stuff? I said, uh, you know, I wasn't there for your wedding vows, but you did marry her, right? Did you not promise to give her everything you have? Yeah, well, then let her have it if she wants it. Really? You're the one who made the promises, not me. Again, one of these triple dog dare things, right? And he goes, uh, okay. You're gonna, basically, you're gonna have to trust God with your stuff, aren't you? Yeah, but you already gave it away when you said I, I, I'm gonna marry you. So she shows up, and sure enough, she starts grabbing some of his stuff too. And he doesn't say anything. If you need that, I want you to have it. If you need that, I want you to have that too. By the end of it, by the end of the afternoon, she's putting stuff back. (laughs) Because she never expected this from this guy. Love, even if you suffer for it. Even if you have to humble yourself and be sacrificial, which is exactly what Jesus did. Beloved, we need to love as Jesus loved. We're running out of time on it. We need to love others with an everlasting love, even loving our enemies, demonstrating our love humbly and sacrificially. But secondly today, To become a Christ-like servant, if you really want to be like Jesus, we need to allow God to change our lives. Why? Because most of us are just not like Jesus, and so we need to be conformed to his image, as Scripture says, all over the place. To become a Christ-like servant, we need to allow God to change our lives, first of all, through choosing to trust God. He came to Simon Peter. Again, Simon, Peter, Peter often just gets it wrong, doesn't he? Peter's like, do you wash my feet? Like, no way, Jesus. No way you're washing mine because I'm such a holy guy here. Jesus answered him, what I'm doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. You don't get it now, Pete, but you're going to get it later. Boy, are you going to get it. you're going to have to trust me. Again, we might not understand what God is up to or what he is doing now. When we have questions, we need to choose to trust him. His promise to us is that we will understand in the end, in his time, which means we need to trust him. I didn't understand years ago when I first embarked on Being married to Kathy, I I didn't understand why we went through four miscarriages. I I didn't understand why our car was stolen when we were serving in Budapest. I didn't understand that my liver failed four months ago. I, I don't understand that. But he'll show me. That's what he promises. And so I need to choose to ongoingly trust him, as we all do, But secondly here, through choosing not to tell God what to do. Again, things aren't going the way we want, so we want to straighten him out on it. Hey, you're doing it wrong. And that's basically what Peter's saying. Hey, Jesus, you're doing it wrong. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Oh, aren't you spiritual? Aren't you deferential, Pete? Again, in our circumstances, it's very easy for us to attempt to tell God how things ought to be done. Hey, God fix it. Hey, God, straighten this out. Hey, God, I don't like how you're doing it this way. But he always knows what is best, so we don't even need to tell him what to do or how to do it. We need to allow God to change our lives on this. But thirdly here, through choosing to let God have his way with us, again, Peter just isn't grasping what's going on. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, Peter, you have no share with me. You know, would you just put down the whole holier than thou thing and that you're spiritually deferential to me? You know, I get what you're doing. You don't need to do that. Knock it off. If I don't wash you, you have no share with me. Through all that we are going through, we need to trust in his overall sovereignty. God is sovereign. He is God. We need to let him have his way with us. We need to let him be God. We need to allow God to change our lives. I submit to you that the bulk of most of our problems is that we just don't understand how sovereign God is. We lie because we don't trust God with the truth. We steal because we don't believe God's going to provide We commit adultery because we don't think God can provide through our spouse instead of just outright trusting him because he's God and he knows exactly what you need even better than you do. Well, how can he know what I need better than I do? Because he's the one who made you. Oh, that's right. He knows what you're longing for. He knows what will thrill your soul way better than even you do. I mean, isn't that the case you try to thrill your own soul and in the end, what happens? Your your soul is just not so thrilled, is it? No, but he actually knows how to thrill your soul to freak you out with his awesomeness and goodness. Lastly, on this point, to become a Christ-like servant We need to allow God to change our lives through choosing to be satisfied with his provision. Simon Peter finally says to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. All right, if you're gonna wash, wash everything. Uh, He still doesn't quite get it, does he? It's interesting that Peter's pendulum swings from telling Jesus that he's doing too much in verse six and seven, now he tells Jesus said he's not doing enough. God knows what you need. You can rest in his provision. As a matter of fact, we need to be satisfied with his provision to the point of thankfulness. Not just putting up with his provision. Well, thanks God. No, not like that, but thanking him for it. Thank you, Lord, for all that I have. Thank you that I have anything. Thank you that I have one more breath right now. For When we are dissatisfied with his provision and unthankful for his care, we will find ourselves seeking ways to satisfy our desires apart from him. In verse 10, Jesus said to him, the one who's bathed does not need to wash, Pete, except for his feet. I just want to wash your feet. But it's completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you, for he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, Not all of you are clean. You don't want to miss next week, by the way, because we're going we're to be around the table next week. You don't want to miss it. But just like Peter, we extend the wrong things to be clean. Jesus asked for his feet, Peter extends his whole body. Jesus asks us for our eyes, and we give him our big toe. <laughs> right? And just like a child, we extend our elbow to him when in reality, It's our hearts and our minds that need to be washed and purified. We need to allow God to change our lives through being satisfied with his provision. Thirdly, today, to become a Christ-like servant, we need to become more like him. Notice where this is all going, that we're becoming more like him. First of all here, as we wash each other's feet, we need to be washing each other's feet. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I've done to you? I don't know that Pete does yet. You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I've given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Beloved, we need to become more like him as we wash each other's feet Sadly, we are way more interested in others serving us. We're way more interested in others serving ourselves that we can't even see the needs of those around us. I've got a really wonderful dear friend of mine I've had for years, and he said, drive me crazy because he would always see the need other people had around him before I would see it. I'm just like, ugh. I wanted to see that too, but he would see it first. He'd see the little lady with a bunch of packages at the door, and he'd go run over the door, and I, and I didn't even notice it. We all need to work on this. As we wash each other's feet, we need to become more like him. But second here, as we show each other how to follow Christ, truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Beloved, if you do not lead, don't expect anyone to follow. Husbands, get a clue on that one. Guys, listen up. If you don't lead in your household, don't expect anybody to follow. Here we see the master as a servant. Unfortunately for a lot of us, we see ourselves as the master and expect everyone to bow down to our wishes and demands. We hold our large screen TV remote like a scepter, in our hands, ordering everyone around us to serve our interests, in our little household fiefdoms. However, we need to become more like him as we show each other how to follow Christ. But thirdly here, as he blesses us in our obedience, and this is, don't miss this, verse 17, if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. It's one thing to know about this stuff. It's another thing to actually do it. It's another thing to actually wash someone else's feet. The word blessed here in the Greek New Testament, makarios, which means basically, oh, how very happy. How happy are you if you do them? A lot of us postpone happiness from ourselves through our self focus and we 're not focusing on him or others who are in need around us so can I get really practical with you for just a second? Where is God calling you to serve? Where is God calling you to wash feet? to what degree are you showing others how to follow Christ again if we're going to get super practical right here we've got a we had an announcement from our friend Nick here saying that Our children's ministry is growing and we need help in that area as a church to make sure all of our little ones are taken care of. And I've heard people say things that, Well, I I I already did that years ago and I'm done doing that. Really? Who 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 signed that retirement package for you? Are you willing to wash the little feet of little children? Wipe their nose, to share Jesus with them. If you've been on the fence about serving in such a way, this is times now, this is where we need you. I still remember Mr. Smith. And you go, Who was Mr. Smith? Mr. Smith was, he was my Sunday school teacher when I was a little kid. The guy was a fossil. I mean, he was. <laughs> He was old then. And he served and he taught me about Jesus. And he never he never turned from that. That was his ministry. And he cherished it and loved it. And he loved us. He was a Christ like example of servanthood. Lastly, today, to become a Christ-like servant, we need to believe in Jesus. Again, nothing's gonna move you unless you've come to a place where you put your faith and trust in him. If you really don't even believe in him, you're not gonna follow him. You're not gonna do anything he has to say. But if you truly believe, then you'll most certainly do. We need to believe in Jesus. He knows those who are his. And Jesus says in verse 18, I'm not speaking of all of you, Hint, hint, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, Judas, I know whom I have chosen. It's not as if God is wringing His hands up in heaven hoping that someone will follow Him. He knows those who are His. John 10:14, "I am the good shepherd, I know my own and my own follow me. John 10:27, 10, 10, Jesus says, "My sheep hear my voice, I know them and they follow me." Romans 8, 29, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. First Corinthians 8, 3, but if anyone loves God, he is known by God. 1 Corinthians 13, 12, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. He knows you. You belong to him to the degree that we belong to him, we'll become more like a Christ-like servant. He knew all about Judas and how he would betray him. Again, don't miss next week. We too need to believe in Jesus. But secondly, he came to fulfill all that was written. Again, everything that's written about Jesus is that which we need to believe but the scripture will be fulfilled, Jesus says in verse 18. He who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. You can imagine the, the thoughts going through the minds of the disciples that are trying to contemplate. Wait a minute, there's somebody here at the table that's against you? Who is he? But they don't know who it is. Only Jesus knows at this moment. Matthew five seventeen. Do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets, I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. What is Jesus saying? From the smallest letter to the smallest stroke, everything that's written about me is going to happen. Count on it. This is what we need to know about Jesus. He is the ultimate promised Messiah. But thirdly here, he is indeed the great I am. He is God incarnate. Jesus says, I'm telling you this now before it takes place, that when it does take place, you may believe that I am he. I am he. I am. We've seen that phrase, ego, I, me, from the Greek throughout this whole gospel of John. It is the I am statement. I am He, I am God. This is what we need to know about Him so that we know to what degree we need to bend our knee to Him. He is the great I am. We need to believe in Jesus, knowing full well that He is indeed God. But lastly, here, He is the one that we ultimately need to receive. In this section, We see in verse 20, truly, truly, I say to you. In the original Greek, it's amen, amen. I say to you, so be it, so be it, I say to you. This is the way it is, this is the way it is. Whoever receives the one I send receives me, and whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. In other words, if you're receiving me, you're receiving my Father also. This is what we need to believe about Jesus. He is the one that we need to receive. John 1:12 puts it this way. But to all who did receive him, John writes, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. Beloved, we need to believe in Jesus, knowing full well that he is the one we need to receive. He is the great I am. He came to fulfill all that was written. He knows those who are his. Now with all this being said, I couldn't help but think of one particular illustration this last week. As you you know, it's very difficult to speak about things without being nuanced by your experience. And so forgive me, as I share out of my experience a little bit. I'm not trying to boast in myself or tell Brad stories. It's not my point. But there are things that have taken place in my life that I can't not share. So as you guys know, know, most of you know, if you're new visiting, I went through a major health episode four months ago at the end of October where I ended up in ICU for over a week and I was intubated uh, that whole time and uh, then I finally came out of it and I was in the hospital for another week before I uh, was able to go home and what had happened is my liver failed and I'm still, I went from a guy who took no medications to a guy who's I'm on like six meds here just to be standing here talking to you which, by the way, I'm thrilled to be able to be here to say anything to anybody for any amount of time. But there is something that happened to me in the hospital that describes this more so than anything else I could tell you about what it means to be sacrificial, what it means to be Christ-like and to serve As I'm coming out of the anesthesia, there's something I learned about. There's this thing called um, ICU dysphoria. I don't know if you've heard of that or not, but those who are in the medical field, you understand that when you've been under for that long and you finally come out, you're just lost. And I was lost. And I had heard rumors that my brothers were going to come see me, which thrilled my soul. And um, my sister's here today, too. So our, our second oldest in the family, my brother Paul, who, you know, was this, you know, incredible athlete stud guy, you know, a very successful career with State Farm. Just retired this summer. I heard that Paul was going to come. And my other, my oldest brother Dell was going to come. And right as I'm coming out of anesthesia, where I'm lost, Paul comes in to the hospital room. I hardly even know why I'm there, because I didn't know what had happened to me, and people had to tell me what had happened, because it was really bad. And as he walks in the room, he just grabs my feet and starts rubbing my feet. I'm like, oh, oh, this is awesome. This is incredible. Thank you. I started calling him my foot guy. Thank you, foot guy. (laughs) And then he said, tomorrow, I'm going to bring my shaver and I'm going to clean you up. What? And so the next day he came and rubbed my feet again. And then he soaked up my face and my head. <laughs> and he shaved me, cleaned me up, trimmed my nails. So I could, you know, be like a person again. If that's not Christ-like servanthood, I don't know what is. It's probably the most amazing thing that's ever happened to me in that kind of a capacity. Well, this is what we're talking about. How can we love each other this way with an everlasting love even to the person that we don't even like all that much We might even despise. We're gonna we're gonna wash their feet too. Where can you be made available to serve that way in such a capacity? And we've seen today, as we've seen today, to become a Christ-like servant, we need to love the way Jesus loved. We need to allow God to change our lives. We need to become more like him. We need to believe in Jesus. And I ask you, what steps do you need to take to become a Christ-like servant this morning? Whose feet do you need to wash? Have you put your faith and trust in him? Are you becoming more like him? Is God in the process of changing your life? Are you loving others the way Jesus has loved you? I've seen it firsthand firsthand. Not only with my family, I've seen it over and over again with the sacrifices my wife has made on my behalf. She's cared for me through all this. (laughs) This is what we ought to be about as a people, to demonstrate the reality of Christ in our lives in a real way. As we turn to the Lord's table today, In Mark 10, 45, Jesus makes a very profound yet simple statement. He said, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That's why he came. He didn't come to be served. He came to serve. I hope that you are coming here to serve and not just simply be served. At Oakwood Bible Church, we have an open communion table. By this is meant that for all those who've received Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, you're so very welcome to participate with the two simple elements of the bread and the cup, the bread which represents the body of Christ. Would you please pray aloud with me? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. As Paul has written to the church at Corinth, for I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. I've asked Deacon Dr. Kent Allaman to pray for the bread which was broken for us.
1: Dear Lord, we thank you for sending Jesus to earth to die on the cross in our place. We partake of this bread, which represents his body that was was broken and slain there to make a way for us to have reconciliation with you. Your word tells us you remember our sins no more as far as the east from the west. You Separate our sins from us. This is all possible through the sacrifice that Christ made. Lord, we thank you for this. Jesus, we thank you for dying on the cross alone, forsaken, so that we might have forgiveness. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
0: Please take and eat. The same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. I've asked Elder Tim Peterson to pray for the
1: cup which was poured out for us. Let's pray. Jesus, uh, our our Lord and Savior, um, our Redeemer, a sacrificial lamb, spotless, blameless, um, you and and you alone, the only one that could ever do what God has put forth and uh, your obedience uh, unto death on the cross. Jesus, we thank you so much for your sacrifice for us and the blood that was shed on our behalf. In this moment, Lord, we remember, and we thank you. And we praise you in your name. Amen.
0: Please take and drink. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Please stand as we close in prayer today. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for ministering to our hearts today through your word. Lord, help us to take these truths that we've encountered and that we'd take them with us and that we'd walk in them, that we too might be made servants of the Most High, that we might become more like Christ. So Lord, thank you. Thank you for your presence with us. We want to give you all the praise. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for coming. Have a fantastic week.